May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Clark for letting me preach this morning. Okay. Uh, this is the second Sunday in Lent. We are preparing for Easter. Easter is the day when Jesus was revealed in a spiritual body. During Lent, we are reflecting on the gift of God's Son in Jesus Christ. Our theme this morning is cultivating spirit and letting go of ego. In Psalm 21, uh, we hear the author, probably King David, start out by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Essentially, well, psychologists talk about fear as being very closely aligned with ego. I think uh, King David is putting the ego aside. And later on in verse 4, he says, uh, One thing I ask of the Lord to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Uh, So I think that's about as much as focusing on spirituality as you can get. So he's cultivating the spirit. So Jesus in his crucifixion died in the flesh, which is say, say to the ego. He rose to the spirit to dwell with his father all the days of his life in eternity. Most of us consider ourselves spiritual. This leads to the question, what happens when people die? How can we apply the lesson of Easter to our own lives? I find myself in a long line of pastors and physicians who have sought to understand how the resurrection of Jesus might apply to our own lives. We get a clue in the passage of Philippians where Paul seeks to attain the resurrection of the dead. In the mid-1960s, physicians learned to resuscitate patients. Cardiopulmonary resuscitation is widely practiced, CPR. It's portrayed in television shows like Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, The Good Doctor. Uh, On television, they make it look easy. 70 to 90% of the time, people uh, wake up and they're soon talking. The reality in hospitals is that it's about 25% who make it out in reasonably good shape. Uh, And they usually wake up intubated in the intensive care unit. It doesn't make very good television. Uh, I've helped with hundreds of these resuscitations and working in academic medical centers. Within 20 seconds of the heart stopping, no brain activity can be uh, obtained on an EEG. In other words, the brain is totally silent. Thinking, if it occurred, would show electrical activity. So the patient is in coma. Some patients with circulatory failure describe being awake and out of their bodies. They are up near the ceiling looking down on what is happening. They see and hear everything that's happening. This is called an out-of-body experience. Such out-of-body experiences may provide a window into the resurrection. I began hearing patients tell me these stories when I was better not touch that when I was uh, 
when I was in early in my training and then in my career, my first reaction was to was disbelief. Most people I found uh, find the idea mind-boggling that people can be out of their body and aware. Um, Raymond Moody was the first to write about this in the modern day. He was a philosophy teacher in uh, Charlottesville who uh, who taught Plato, the works of Plato. In the end of the Republic, Plato describes a soldier named Ur who dies and uh, they collect the bodies and a few days later they put him on the funeral pile. Ur revives and tells people that he has been to spiritual realms. So Plato concludes that we have a soul and that uh, our life doesn't end with our death. Um, so Dr. Moody then went to medical school and became a psychiatrist. He collected stories and published a hundred of them in this book, 1975, Life After Life. He coined the experience, the expression, near-death experience. The literature on near-death has grown considerably since then. By 2011, a year before I retired, there were over 900 publications in the medical literature and journals like The Lancet, Critical Care Quarterly, the American Journal of Psychiatry, the Journal of Near-Death Studies, the British Journal of Psychology, Resuscitation, and Neurology. A Gallup poll in 2008 reported that 8 million Americans had had such an experience. Uh, today, the figure is closer to 13 million. There are several members of our congregation who have had these experiences. Many groups of physicians have conducted prospective studies on patients. In other words, they take all the patients who have an arrest, who are documented not to be without a pulse and a heartbeat, and then they interview them afterwards. They find about 20% of these patients end up with a near-death experience uh, that they're out of their body. Uh, then what they do is they match them with controls. The, the group I want to report on is Dr. Sabin, who was at the University of Florida on the faculty before I was on the faculty there, then went to Georgia to finish his study. But he, he interviewed people that reported being out of their body uh, and asked them detailed questions, compared them to the record, interviewed people, and found that their accounts were extremely accurate. He had a control group of people that arrested but didn't have an out-of-body experience, and those people were totally, uh, on, you know, it was, it was, there was no comparison. They tried to make up stories, uh, things they'd seen on television. They had no idea what had happened. Uh, one man was told that, that, uh, that, that uh, they had lost his dentures, uh, and he told them they were in the third drawer of the crash cart because he'd been watching. <laughs> and sure enough, that's where they were. Uh, there was a woman who described a shoe out on the ledge of the hospital, and uh, uh, a physician went and looked, and it was there just exactly as uh, described. So many phys physicians have concluded that patients can somehow rise out of their bodies when the brain is inactive and observe events that they later describe in clear and convincing manner. These out-of-body patients see themselves floating in the air and looking down on their physical bodies. Their out-of-the-body form appears different, more like it is made out of light or energy. They feel wonderful. The pain is gone. They feel young and energetic. 
Their vision, hearing, sense of smell are all better than they were when they were in their body. They check their arms, their legs, their whole body. Nothing is missing. They try to tell people that they're all right, but nobody can hear them. So listen to this. A group of firefighters, 21 firefighters, is caught when the wind shifts in in a pocket of uh, loss of oxygen and everything. They all go under their tarps as they're taught to do. and they all think they're going to die. The next thing they know, all 21 of them are out of their bodies, and they could see each other. One guy who had a bad foot, his foot is healed. Uh, The 21 people, then the wind shifts again, and they all live. They all are interviewed independently without having time to to, uh, compare notes, and every one of them told the same story, that they saw their compatriots out of their body, in the air, and the one guy with the foot that was healed. Blind people experience uh, out of body, and when they do, they see, which is which is remarkable. Uh, some of these people, this was uh, Ken Ring who reported this, a psychologist at the University of Connecticut. He wrote, wrote up a, a bunch of these um, one young woman who'd never seen before. She said, that they asked me, uh, what I see, and I say, I don't see anything. And they say, well, don't you dream in black? And they said, no, I said, I don't see anything. I just have my other senses. Um, she said, it was hard to adapt to seeing. It was scary. <laughs> and then I liked it. <laughs> it was hard to relate to things that I had only touched to what I was seeing. <laughs> she recognized her body by the ring and the hair cut. Uh, so it's hard not to think of Jesus as Nazareth when he pla- when he said that he was sent to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, or Paul in Corinthians when he wrote, "No one has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him." Numerous studies have ruled out other causes for these out-of-body experiences. People have tried to argue that they were hallucinations or hypoxia or drug effect or hormones or dreams or the result of a dying brain. All of these have been excluded systematically. Many physicians and research groups reporting in peer-reviewed journals and subsequent books have reached the same conclusion. So these studies paint a picture of consciousness that exists outside the body. Over the past seven years, I've been attending meetings at the Virginia Beach chapter of IANS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies. Um, People there speak for two hours about their near-death experience to a group that understands. We started a similar group in Williamsburg. Uh, These stories are the same stories I heard in the hospital. It's clear that these experiences change people's lives. Uh, They come back different people. Uh, 80% of marriages in one study were found to end in divorce. These people are less materialistic. They no longer fear death. They're more spiritual, inclined to pursue healing, and they often retain spiritual abilities that they come back with. The experience of near death has been the evidence I needed as a physician and a scientist to confirm the reality of Jesus' resurrection. 
As of yet, very few scientists or physicians know or understand or accept the interpretation of these facts. Stories of being out of one's body are hard to reconcile with hard science. Science as narrowly defined today restricts itself to empiric observations and rejects the idea of spirituality. But science does not understand consciousness. There is, a, there is not a good model for what or where consciousness resides. They've looked for it in the brain in many different ways, and they can't find it there. A research group in Charlottesville says that they can prove that it does not exist in the brain. So the next big breakthrough in science, I think, is going to be the study of consciousness. The experience of being out of the body suggests that consciousness resides in the spiritual mind inside of our physical brain, one that defies detection. The spiritual mind may be part of a universal intelligence that ties us all together, one to each other, and all of us to the God of creation. When and if this realization comes into acceptance, it may spark the next great Christian reformation. In the passage from Philippians, Paul talks about the resurrection of the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, he elaborates further. There is a physical body and there is a spiritual body. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. In 2 Corinthians, Paul describes a case of, of near death. Actually read that. Uh, so it's, it's 2 Corinthians 12. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. Very interesting to think that there's... Uh, There's an out-of-body experience right there in the Bible. As a physician and scientist, I want to know more about our spiritual nature. Why aren't we aware of our spiritual body? Dr. Edmund Alexander, a neurosurgeon who had a near-death experience, believes it's because our brain is not as good at what it does as we would like to think it is. Our brain evolved from the reptilian brain and is better than the brain of reptiles. Thoughts are chemical and electrical signals that depend on the release of a chemical acetylcholine and involve sending electrical signals down thin cellular tubes called axons. This electrical signal is based on positively charged sodium ions rushing across cell membranes into this thin tube. It is clear almost from the definition that this type of system is not very likely to detect a spiritual world that exists all around us. I would like to suggest our brain is like a computer with an outdated central processing unit. The shabby CPU limits our ability to sense what is really happening around us. It hides the fact that there's a spiritual realm, that we all have spiritual bodies. Only when our brain shuts down with near death can our mind and consciousness rise out of our body. In the book of Genesis, we are told that God created us in his image as both earth and spirit. Our physical body is earthbound. It is important and worthy, but it is still something we must eventually leave behind. Our spirit body is hidden from us, but is eternal and tied to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
It deserves cultivation. We do this by loving and serving others. <coughs> you could also argue that, uh, that the reality of the spiritual world is compatible with all other religions as well. But uh, Maybe not. shouldn't say that in a Christian congregation, but I think that's, that's true. Near death provides us a window into the resurrection of Jesus. It suggests that what lies in store for us at the times of our death, uh, it's a lesson of hope and certainty for our future. It helps us deal with a world that is crazy, busy, and full of anxiety. Hilton Presbyterian Church has been my church for 35 years. Most of you know Kathy and I will be moving soon to Richmond. When I was a teenager, I heard a voice. It was a church camp during devotions. It asked, won't you come and work with me? I interpreted it as the voice of Jesus. The question has stayed with me. What does it mean to come and work with Jesus? I believe working with Jesus involves study and prayer and pursuing revelations of truth wherever they lead. Christianity is fundamentally a story about where we are going. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis of our faith. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are of all people most to be pitied. It is the witness of near death, I believe, that can lead us to say with certainty, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. (laughs) Presbyterians love education. They know God's grace. They govern by separation of powers and through committees and they get everyone involved in ministry. They embrace the Reformed tradition, which is open to new interpretations, Reformed and ever-reforming. Sunday school is where we explore spiritual questions, classes on meditation, the group on the practices yoga, and our preschool are all true blessings. To me, the, the, the main memory I'll carry away from Hilton was when Pastor Rob Evans took a group of us to a Trappist monastery in Georgia, to learn centering prayer. (laughs) Hilton Presbyterian is a blessed community. It's one place where the truth about reality can be told. You are a spirit of God, a child of God, and part of universal consciousness. As you love one another, and as you serve and teach and learn, you are participating in the life of the spirit. Someday we will all be in the presence of love and acceptance that is beyond measure. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have given us eyes to see and ears to hear, bodies to serve and hearts to know you. Open our minds to your presence in all creation. Help us to know we are formed in your image. May we see your spiritual nature in our destiny. And as we prepare to celebrate Easter, grant that the Holy Spirit may come to dwell in our hearts. Help us to know that we will come home to you in spirit. Grant us that peace that passes understanding. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.